You're listening to Manner of Speaking with Greg Mayu. Today's episode Over the Rainbow. Here, do you want to hear? You want me to just uh, let me just volunteer something. Let me tell you a really good story. I'll tell you a really good story that I have that that, that I've never brought up or whatever. Okay. Uh, back when I was living in Minneapolis, uh, and like I said, I was doing a lot of drugs and everything. I was actually very much a light whaler. When I look back on it and I think about it, <laughs> like smoking weed all the time and like doing a little acid or ooh, I tried coke or whatever. Actually, what I was doing was pretty, pretty simple, superficial stuff. But one night, uh, I did a lot of something. I don't know. It could have been a variety of things. Uh, I, uh, it was certainly a lot of weed. I, I was trying different pills then. I remember I was taking white crosses. Do you know what, what white crosses are? Mm-hmm. It's a form of speed. It's commercially available. You can buy white crosses in, in catalogs. Uh, you can use it as a diet suppressant or, or something to pep you up or whatever. But anyway, like I was doing stuff like that. I was doing white crosses and, and anyway, I was doing lots of stuff. But here's my point. One night, I thought I was going to OD, and I I don't know why, when I think back on it, but for some reason, I thought, this is the night my heart's going to stop. This is it. I'm not going to be around much longer. What am I going to do? So I took a piece of paper, and I wrote a love letter to the woman that I had married. Um who at this time was in France, and I was in the United States, and she and I were dealing with trying to bring her into the United States, which, if you've ever gone through, is just absolutely hellacious. Like, it's just it's just such an unpleasant process. You can't even believe what it is. But I wrote her this note, and I told her that I loved her, and that we were gonna be together, and that she didn't have to worry about anything. folded it up and I put it in my wallet so when I died and they were looking for my ID they would find the note okay well didn't know D so some time goes on and my ex-wife's company offered her a job they said they said would you like to work in the Toronto office and literally she and I were like well Toronto that's halfway to the US let's let's work this out you come to Toronto I'll join you so that meant getting rid of a bunch of my shit boxing up the the rest of it and uh, uh, getting on a bus and going from Minneapolis to Toronto which I would like to tell everyone listening is a three-day ride uh, that you will not soon forget and wildly unpleasant trip. I've, I've done a couple cross-country bus trips and it really uh, separates the men from the boys. So when I was boxing up my stuff, 
I, through a series of weird circumstances, I wound up with, at the time this was a big deal, I wound up with a really cool VCR, cheaply. So I decided I'm going to take my VCR because I'm going to go join my, this woman that I love and we want to watch some films. And there was this guy that I knew, whose name I can't remember now, who had loaned me all of his favorite VHS tapes. And I mean, and it was like time bandits and aliens and like all these beautiful really cool films like even if you even if you didn't care for these movies you could not deny it was a juicy selection of films this guy had loaned me and i was i proceeded to skip town with his video collection and also some some books some artwork and my clothing What this meant was I was moving five or six cardboard boxes with me on this bus to Toronto, which was fucking hell. Because that meant wherever that bus changed to another bus, I had to move all those boxes. They don't do that sort of thing for you. It was terrible. But before I made that trip, I had gathered together as many drugs as I possibly could. And I put all of them in this glass tube that I had that was about this long. And it was two things. I just remember now because I forgot about the weed. Um, it was the glass tube that was about the size of a stack of quarters that had a cork on the end plus um, a film container. 35 millimeter, old, black, oh. plastic, gray top. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And anyway, the film container was stuffed with, with weed and mushrooms. No, the film container was stuffed with weed and the the glass tube that had the cork on top was full of mushrooms and had acid, little tabs of acid, all wrapped in plastic, all stuffed in there, and wrapped black electrical tape around the whole thing. And I used to wear this old army uh, jacket that my dad had given me, and it had multiple pockets, and I love this jacket. I, I literally wore this thing until it fell apart, and uh, I put all of the drugs in the upper left-hand pocket of this coat. And this friend that I had hung out with during this time, who he would never know it because he became a junkie and he just, his whole life, he just drifted off into nothingness. But he was actually a huge influence on me. He turned me on to, to one of my most favorite artists. Uh, he turned me on to a bunch of chemicals I hadn't tried before. And even though I don't particularly like the guy and his life is basically over at this point I mean he could I guess he could turn it around at some point anyway the point is is that he actually had a huge impact on my life and he's never gonna know it this guy gave me one piece of advice he said when you carry drugs you put it up front and you forget about it he goes don't don't hide it don't get cute and put it in somewhere he goes you put it right up front on your body and you forget you have it and it was brilliant advice he's absolutely right like if you have to carry contraband through a difficult situation that's where you want it to be you want it to be right where you know it is, and yet you're not going to encounter anyone, you know, searching for it. So with my boxes and my drugs, I hightailed it out of town one started this three-day trip and it was so bad 
I'm eating microwave sandwiches at bus stations and I'm running my boxes from bus to bus and I am not showering and I have not shaved, I have not brushed my teeth. I mean like I, I, I'm a total wreck and eventually we get into Buffalo, New York. And in Buffalo, New York, um, you have to cross this thing called the Rainbow Bridge and the Rainbow Bridge takes you into to Canada. And I really thought when we got to the Rainbow Bridge, I thought, my God, I made it. I, I, all I could think about was, I have, I have totally fucking made it. I made it into Canada. I've got all my crap with me. You know, I'm carrying illegal substances. This is just going to be brilliant. And as soon as the bus is crossing the Rainbow Bridge, the first thing the bus does is turn off and go to an immigration station. The guy in front of the bus says, everybody has to leave the bus and you have to take with you everything you have on the bus and I'm like shit I've got like six boxes of stuff literally more than I can move and you know there's no trolleys there's there's no valet or anything so I am I have to I literally have to go into this immigration processing station and I have to I have to carry like I have to pick up a box run in set it down pick up another box run in, set it down and I'm a wreck I look like shit I look like I look like a really fat version of like Steve Buscemi on like his worst day. I'm, I'm, I'm really a mess. And I have to now stand in line with all these people. So I realize I've got these fucking drugs on me. I have to dump these things. As you walk into the station, there's a door to enter into the large room of the station. And then over here is a huge window, enormous window that every desk at the station can see. And right in front of that window, the only garbage can. So I'm like can't do there I cannot I can't reach in and 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 dump my drugs in there so I'm like okay just just play it cool just play it cool just 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 keep walking through this uh, situation I get all of my boxes stacked up and I take my place in line inside the station and I'm with all these other people and I, when I think back on it it's funny because I had to have been nervous and sweating and shaking and everything and I asked this guy I said um, you know, is there a bathroom here? Do you have a bathroom? I'm like, yeah, sure, there's a bathroom right over there. Okay, I'm gonna leave my stuff in line. I've got enough of, you know, a presence in line with all my crap. I'm gonna step away, go to the bathroom. I'm gonna dump the drugs, go back in the line. Go to the bathroom. As soon as I walk in the bathroom, what do I see? The entire bathroom ceiling is hung tile, which means cameras. Because if you have hung tile in a room, the, the possibility that there's some sort of device in the hollow space above the hung tile, it just like increases 500%. Whether it's an alarm or a motion detector or a camera or anything, um, you know, you suddenly have a couple feet of hollow space with a million tiny holes. So, so having cameras in hung tile is just like standard for security. So I thought, I'm totally fucked. So I walked over, I went into a bathroom stall, I took a leak, and I walked out. And I'm like, what the hell am I going to do? I'm standing in line now, I'm carrying drugs, and I have a one-way ticket to Canada. A one-way ticket. I have no proof I'm even going to leave the country. I don't have any proof for anything I own. I don't own a single receipt. So. We're moving through line, and the woman that is taking my line, the representative behind the desk, very belligerent, like, like just imagine angry female character from Andy Griffith. 
except she's Canadian. Like I like 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 not like completely totally mean, but like a real battle axe. Mm -hmm. We were going through line, and I get up to the desk, and she says, "Where are you going?" And I said, "I'm going to Toronto." And uh, she says, "This is a one-way ticket." I said. Yes, it's. I just bought a one-way ticket. I'm going to Toronto. I have a French wife. I'm meeting her in Toronto. We're both going to leave Toronto. She goes, I don't have any proof here. You're going to leave Toronto. She said, what's in those boxes? And I said, well, that one has a VCR. Those have some videotapes. Uh, some of those uh, books and some of my artwork. And uh, um, some clothing that I have. And she says, do you have a receipt for that VCR? And I said, no. I said, I bought the VCR from a friend of mine, which I did, this guy that ran a video store named Marcello, and he had sold it to me for like 50 bucks at the time, and it was like a huge deal. Do you ever see any of this other stuff? I'm like, no. And she said, empty your pockets. And so I said, okay. And I walked up to the counter, and I started going through my coat. And I emptied every pocket that I had, and I took out every single thing that I had and then when I got up to this pocket, my upper left-hand pocket on the green jacket, I patted it, I reached inside, I figured and pulled out nothing, and then I continued going through my pockets. And I left the pocket open. And uh, she went through all of my belongings. And, oh God, this is really a really hard story to tell. She went through all my belongings. And when she got to my wallet, she went through my whole wallet and she found the note I wrote when I was going to OD. And she read it and she said, what is your wife's name? And I said, Patricia. And she said, have a nice day. She folded up the piece of paper and she handed it back to me because she thought whatever movable tragedy this guy is I don't want to deal with it and I walked out of there I got back on the bus and the whole story fast forwards to me putting all that shit on a cab and arriving in Toronto true story true story if if I had not have written that note if I had not have told her the story so she would have something to confirm, like, like said, you know, the, uh, not story, but say these are my circumstances, this is who I'm meeting, so she could ask me about it, then none of that would have ever happened. I would have eventually had to have emptied out my jacket. But uh, the other thing the guy who told me about carrying the drugs besides the put it up front and forget about it was he had also said if anyone ever asked you to uh, empty your pockets, he, he told me fake it. And he's right. But true story. She looked at the note, wanted to know the name of the girl I was going to meet. When I told her, she didn't want anything to do with me. Do you still have that note now? Um, unfortunately, I did save it, but it wound up in my stuff in Paris. And most of that stuff's either been destroyed or I don't know when I'm going to see it again. But yes, I saved that note for years. Yes. How did, it, how did it work out when you get to Toronto? Oh, it was bad. I was I should have never gotten married to this woman. It was terrible. It was it was from the very very first day. It was bad. It was I've always one of the things I've always been able to say to my own daughter and my family is you know something the marriage was like bad from the very first day, which it was. 
and her big thing, my ex, my ex's big thing, was kicking me out. She loved to kick me out. Like she couldn't get enough of it. Her favorite thing to say to me was just go because she knew that I had no place to just go because I was in Canada or Europe or Cuba or Guatemala. Like she kicked me out when we were in Guatemala. Like there's no place to kick me out to. I had to spend an entire day eating french fries and fried chicken from street vendors because I couldn't go back to my hotel room because I was kicked out. My first day I arrived in Toronto, she, you know, we, we had a fight, we had a fight within like an hour or two of getting together where she kicked me out again. And I, you know, I was very naive and, and much younger than so I, you know, I thought, well, this is what you go through. And of course I was an idiot. This interview is with my friend Scott, who's a cartoonist living in Cambridge, Mass. The last time he saw his ex-wife was in 1998. They have never technically divorced.